Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Okay, title of my message is Get Ready. Get Ready. Next week, I don't know if you know, we're doing something special next week. It's our 40th anniversary celebration as a congregation, and so uh, we have a lot planned. But as I have been preparing and as we've been working diligently as a team, we've had a task force working since last June. Uh, they've just been helping us and guiding us. And then, you know, it's like all of a sudden, Joshua describes it as a, as a funnel when everything starts happening all together. And, you know, you plan things like uh, you want to clean the house a little bit and get things ready. And so uh, we're a little, some things have been done at the last minute, getting the floors ready and the carpets ready and just there's a lot of details, right, to get done. But the Lord spoke to me at the end of July and uh, began to, to speak to my heart and to let me know, you know, I'm really excited about the celebration. I'm really excited about what's going on. But he reminded me of what the celebration is about. And so that's what I sh- want to share with you this morning. I want to cast vision for what I believe is uh, at least some of the purposes of God for us in this season as we get ready to celebrate our 40th anniversary. And our 40th uh, anniversary celebration is not simply a matter of looking back and giving God thanks for what he has done, but it's also about anticipating our future, crossing over into our future, and going where we've not gone before. And so, Lord, We are really excited. We're grateful that you've given Cheryl Moses an energy level that just radiates excitement and enthusiasm. And Lord, I was thinking earlier, how could could people have not signed up by the time Cheryl gets through with them? So Lord, we just, we want to be full of anticipation like Cheryl. Lord, we want to be full of joy. Lord, I am full of gratitude. Lord, we celebrate what you have done in this place called Calvary Community Church. Thank you. But Lord, we believe that the best is yet to be. But we are so grateful for what you've done in our lives over a course of 40 years. But Lord, you are not finished with us yet. And Lord, we believe that there is a a promised land to possess. And so Lord, we pray for a holy expectation. We pray for an anticipatory spirit. Lord, we pray that we would be attuned and on the the edge of our seats seeing what you're going to do, listening for what you're going to say. Lord, we bless you, and we celebrate you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're eventually going to get to Joshua chapter 1 and then Joshua chapter 3. So those will be the passages. And so, again, as I was mentioning uh, last week, by the way, uh, I spent six weeks or six different messages sharing about our vision of intimacy, community, and kingdom. It was supposed to be a three-part message. It took me six and I really just stopped. I didn't get done. I didn't get to say everything that I wanted to say. And I was really encouraged. We've got many new members at Calvary. God has been adding to our midst, actually in specific answer to prayer. We've been asking the Lord to help us get younger. We've been asking the Lord to help us to become more diverse. And we've been asking the Lord for these different gifts. And the Lord's been doing that over the past 
uh, year or so and uh, or more, and it's just been a tremendous blessing. So for those of you who have not been here 40 years, we're so glad you're here now because God has called you for this hour. When we ask people why they joined Calvary through the years, almost overwhelmingly in the first, I'd say about the first 10 or 15 years of our church, people said, because God led me here. It wasn't the programs, it wasn't the worship, it wasn't the preaching, although all of those are really significant. They would just respond and say, God led me here. Or they came into a personal relationship with Jesus through the ministry and the relationships of people here. Again, who carried an infection of love. They'd been just injected with the love of God, and it just poured out upon others. So whether you've been here since the beginning or you've only been here a few weeks, we are really glad that you're here. And we're really glad that you're a part of a journey that God has put us together. We were not meant to do life alone. We were not meant to be isolated individuals. We were meant to journey together with the Lord. And he's the one at the head of the ship here. And Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Amen. And he is our Lord. He's our champion. He's our leader. And so our Father, praise God, he just didn't leave us to ourselves. Amen. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence with us. So back in July, uh, I was in our corporate prayer meetings. And uh, last week, I talked about intimacy with the Lord. And I mentioned there's many spiritual practices. You need daily spiritual practices. You need weekly spiritual practices. You need monthly spiritual practice. You need occasional spiritual practices. So you need things that you're doing regularly, intentionally, and relationally if you're going to connect with the Lord. Disciplines aren't simply a checklist to say, I did my Bible reading today. The goal of your Bible reading is to encounter God. The goal of prayer is to give yourself to him and to let him give himself to you. The goal of the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices, are to position us to partner with God and to know him. And so I just want to remind you of that. One of the significant corporate practices in my life that I do uh, probably between, I was, I was trying to count, between four to six times a week is corporate prayer. God speaks to me in corporate prayer, whether it's small group corporate prayer or our, our harp and bowl, our worship and prayer services that we have, like on Monday night and on Thursday morning. And uh, as I was sitting before the Lord, uh, and we were in the midst of one of our corporate prayer services on, uh, I guess it was the last week on Monday and Thursday of the month of July, I had this shift. I had this new, this new excitement, not just focused on the details of our anniversary, not just thinking about everything that's got to get done, not just looking forward to a celebration, but I had a sense that this is a new season for Calvary, that we're actually going to cross over into something. So I shared with the staff uh, a couple of weeks later at one of our staff meetings, I shared with them what had gotten stirred up in in me, and the, the best word that I could put to it was this is a significant threshold for us. It's a threshold moment for us. And I believe that a part of my calling is to help us to possess the promised land. I, I believe that God has a promised land for us. And people have asked me through the years, what is that? My understanding, which is partial, it's not complete. My understanding of our promised land are the plans, the purposes, the prophetic words that God has for us, and and 
then the Lord put another piece to it there at the end of July. He reminded me, uh, because Joshua is a part of my calling. It's a part of something that God has used to speak to my life significantly. And what he says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, then again in verse 9, is my presence will be with you wherever you go. I'm going with you. It Wasn't that the prayer of Moses in Exodus 33? By the way, if you're going to send us up, you have to go with us. If you don't go with us, then don't send us up because it's your presence that is the difference maker in our lives. Listen, if it's not for the presence of God, Calvary does not exist. I mean, we don't, we, we're not smart enough. We're not wise enough. We don't have good enough programs. It's God's presence is really important in our lives. And so this, this revelation or this significant threshold moment, so I began to reflect on our promised land that something's gonna happen. It's a new season. I want you to know, when, when Joshua and them made this journey, if you read the book of Joshua, and they crossed over the Jordan River, they didn't all of a sudden possess all the promised land, right? It took years for them to take possession of their inheritance. And so when I'm saying we're coming to a threshold moment or a significant moment in the purposes, the plans, the promises, the prophetic words of the Lord, especially in his presence his presence being our primary inheritance. When I'm saying that, I'm saying we're gonna walk with God in a place where we've never gone before. It's gonna be based on our history in him, right? It's gonna be based on our journey with him. We've learned skills of how to depend on him, to respond to him, to set aside grumbling and complaining, which is what really, really was a downfall for the people of Israel in those 40 years, right? and telling God that we wished we could go back to Egypt, back to the way things are. Listen, there's a nostalgia, there's a security, there's a comfort level with the way things are. But I want you to know the way change is accelerating, the way God is moving in unique ways in this hour, we're not gonna find our tether, we're not gonna find our comfort, we're not gonna find our solace in going back to yesteryear and the way things were. It's, it's what the Lord is doing now. It's our only protection is to get close to him and stay close with him where he's going, right? And, uh, and I wanna say, can I be really honest with you? Going with God, if safety is your number one value in life, going with God is not safe. Now, does God protect? Yes. Does he shield? Yes. Does he deliver? Yes. Does he put a hedge of protection about us? Yes. Does he put us in his favor? But if you read the book, he leads us into some pretty hairy situations. Amen? Everything does not go the way we would expect it to go all the time, right? Safety. I want you to know in America, safety is one of our number one issues. We want to be safe. And we'll do whatever it takes to make ourselves safe. So, so I've told you this story so many times. You know, as people find out that I've gone to certain nations of the world, they ask me the question or they ask, my, they ask you or they ask my children, why would your dad go to that country? It's not safe. And I've got to admit, that word doesn't, I don't think about the word safe. Because our job our calling, our joy is to follow the lamb wherever he goes. And he goes to some interesting places. He goes where the poor are. 
He goes where people are hurting. He goes where people are in need. He goes where there's brokenness. He says, you're light. So guess where light is needed? Darkness, yes. We're going to pass our pop quiz today. It's going to be very encouraging for me. Light is needed in the darkness. Did you know there's a lot of darkness in our culture right now? And if we point a finger and say, you shouldn't be so dark. What is wrong with you? Did you know the Lord doesn't do that? He looks at our culture, he looks at the darkness, and he says, hey, what about my church? What about you guys? 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people. So if there's a drought in the land, if there's a famine in the land, if there are problems in the land, if there's gross darkness in the land, God doesn't look at all the other people and say, I wonder what they're going to do about this. He looks at us and he says, if my people who are called by my name. So, who say we represent your character and your nature. He says, if you'll humble yourselves, if you'll pray, if you'll seek my face, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, he says, I'll hear from heaven. I will answer your prayers and I'll heal your land. But he doesn't point to Washington or Wall Street. He doesn't point to the neighbor down the street that doesn't know the Lord. He's not pointing at the bosses or the co-workers or the classmates that don't know the Lord. He's looking at me and you and saying, I'm looking for a place to come in. Can I come in through your life? And our answer is yes. Now, I guarantee you that's going to be messy, right? Messy. Jesus says, love your enemies. One of the best ways you can know if you're growing in the Lord is in your capacity to love those who are your enemies. Now, what's an enemy? An enemy is somebody that's out to get you. Did you know what Jesus did with his enemies? By the way, none of this so far is in my notes. I'm just, I'm just thinking about Jesus, and I'm thinking about our calling. I mean, did you know Jesus ate dinner with people that had announced, we're going we're gonna to lay a trap for you, we're going to try to catch you, we're going to try to hurt you. Jesus sought connection. So I've had people tell me, you know, I love people, but I want to like them. That's splitting hairs, right? I think Jesus really likes people. Did you know he made Judas the treasurer of his little band? Did you know he saw, he saw in him what God the Father showed him? He had revelation about him, and so he made him a treasurer, right? I mean, I've said this before. Would you put a zealot and a tax collector together on the same team? Like a zealot is actually for the overthrow of Rome and the nation, right? And anybody that supported that system, they were evil. And then you've got a tax collector who is a, an instrument of that very thing to sustain it, to make it work. And Jesus says, these will make good team members. Now think about that. When we're building our teams, who are we looking for? People that are like us. People that have the same values. People who are generally the same level of emotional maturity. We're looking for people like that with different skills that can help us to accomplish our goal. And Jesus, what he's looking for is he's looking for people that God is putting his finger on. And what an interesting group, to say the least. And that's what he's done here at Calvary, right? We're an interesting group. Pastor Steve has said through the years, you know, that you've got churches. This is the square church. This is the round church. This is the triangle church. And Calvary's all the leftovers that don't fit into any of those slots. 
which actually answers the prayer. Some of you have been praying. I wonder what I am. We don't know. But we're really glad you're here to do it with us together. Amen? So Joshua chapter 1. Let's read it together. We're going to start in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised to Moses. Joshua chapter 1, verse 4. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you'll lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous. Then you'll be successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So again, when I'm thinking of the presence, I'm thinking of our promised land. I'm thinking of the plans, the purposes the prophetic words that God has for us. But God is highlighted versus Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, and Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He says, my presence, I will be with you wherever you go. My presence will be with you. I want you to know our greatest inheritance, our greatest possession that we can have is an intimacy with the Lord that he desires for us to have with him. Both, I want to say this clearly, as individuals and as a congregation. See, it's not good enough if we've got just a few people who are following after Jesus. We want a congregation. We want people. We're actually a, a people being built together. And so this is God's heart for our lives, and this is what God is calling us to, his purposes, his plans, his promises, his prophetic words, and his presence. Then on September the 12th, just a, a few days ago, Sandy Michael sent me an email and it was really confirming and encouraging. She was in a time of prayer, and God was speaking to her personally, and then it began to apply it to Calvary. She says, Then my thoughts went to our 40-year celebration, and I felt like the Lord was saying that there is coming a spiritual shift for us. It's a good shift, something will, that will bring joy. It'll bring celebration. One season is over, and a new season is coming, something new, a move of God that we will shout for and celebrate with joy. And so that impression came to me, something's about to happen. Uh, it feels like a threshold. Sandy called it a shift. And then in our prayer meetings on Monday nights, uh, Jay Kelly and Shannon Birdwell share the leadership there, the prayer leadership, as Joshua is the, the leader of the, the, the prayer services that we do on Monday nights. And Jay, for weeks, has been saying, I believe that there's going to be a breakthrough in this season 
into a new year. And it, by the way, I've told you to have your finger in Joshua chapter 1, but let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Jay reported that he's been led to pray from Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. This is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. By the way, let's go back to that safety thing. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So for all those questions that we have, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? You know, Some of it is caused by the enemy. Some of it is caused by a broken world. Some of it is caused by our brokenness. But I believe that sometimes God is orchestrating things because there's purpose, there's divine plan. He comes up out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? And he comes up out of the wilderness experience and then begins, that, that launches his public ministry. But it starts with 40 days of fasting. And so, after 40 days of fasting and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what Jay prayed is he said, Lord, I pray that you would baptize Calvary Community Church with a holy, fresh fire of passion for the living word of God. Awaken your people to take hold of your word and to spend time in front of the word of God, encountering you, the God, in your word. And so you've heard phrases threshold, you've heard phrases season, you've heard uh, phrases like uh, a breakthrough. So I believe that we're going to celebrate our past, but I want us to call, I want to call us to a holy anticipation, a holy expectation, that this is the time that, describe it with whatever word you want to say. It's going to, this, we're in a breakthrough season, we're in a transition season, we're in a threshold season, we're in a new season. Isaiah chapter 43 says, uh, can you see it? Can you perceive it? The old is past, behold, things have become new. Can you see it? So, you're in Joshua chapter 1 now. We're going to go back to verse 10. When they got ready to cross over into the Jordan River, uh, across the Jordan into the promised land, God gave them uh, a couple of commands. So first of all, they were to get ready, and then secondly, they were to consecrate themselves. So they were to get ready, and they were to consecrate themselves. So in Joshua chapter 1 verse 10, Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Get ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan River here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving for your own. Now, think about your own personal life. When you get ready to go on a trip, there's preparations to make, right? There's uh, wash to be done. There's packing to be done. There's, there's things you need to do around the home, around the camp, around there's some consolidating possessions, especially if you're going on a longer trip. And, and there's a lot of preparation that needs to be done in order to get ready to leave to make a trip. And so we're actually told here to get ready. So Calvary, when you get ready to go on a trip, if you've planned a really good trip and if you've thought about it and you've, you're really excited about it, I'm not talking about those trips you don't want to go on, those trips that you know you wish you didn't have to do, that you're doing out of duty. Set that one aside for a little bit. But after 40 years, the people were really super excited about crossing the Jordan, right? 
They were ready to get on with it. And so I'm talking about, think of something. Just let it come to your mind right now. Something that, that you've done, you've traveled to, a trip that you've made, maybe to see a loved one, maybe to see the birth uh, of one of your, your relatives, a grandchild, a nephew, a niece, a, a, a wedding, whatever the trip is, and you've got to go do something. And you've got to get ready. You've got to make prep. Think about that for a minute. Did you pull up that memory? Okay, if you can't think about it, email me after the service. We're going to talk. We'll, but think about something good. Now think about the anticipation that was there. I'm not talking about the anxiety. Oh, I've got to fly. Oh, I'm going to be in the car with the kids for 100 hours. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the good anticipation, right? Oh, we're going to have fun. Oh, we're going to get to see things and do things we've not done before. Oh, we get to, and, and you, you've read up on the place, and you're thinking, oh, look at what we're going to get to see. Oh, I've not done this before. Oh, this new member of the family. Oh, my goodness, they are a bundle of joy. I am looking forward to all the mess and the feedings and the cleanings. I, this is going to be fun. Think about it. Are you there? Can you, can you sense that anticipation? If you can't, think about Cheryl Moses and think about her energy and the fact that she is really excited. Calvary, I want to ask you to ask the Lord to give that to you for this weekend. Do you hear me? We're going to celebrate our past, but we want to anticipate. We want to have a holy expectation. Okay, I wonder what God's going to do. Now, I'm not saying is everything going to go like you think it will. There is no trip that goes like you think it will, right? I mean, that's, that's called a control spirit. Let's set that one aside. Let's set aside the anxiety spirit that says, wow, we've got to have everything right and everything's going to go well. But man, where are we going? Well, if you've got a really good trip planner or a guide, like when my wife plans our trips, she just does a great job. She picks the best places, and, and she, just, she does a great job. By the way, uh, if you would like to hire her as a travel agent and pay her well, she'll do that for you. She really likes to do that. She enjoys telling people and helping them without pay, though. That's, she loves that. We need a holy anticipation. We need a holy expectation for this new season. So get ready. Calvary, get ready. Get ready for what? I actually don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what we're, but we can trust God. And we know there's going to be some adversaries. There are going to be some obstacles. We're going to learn new skills, right? We're going to develop new capacities. We're, we're going to become the people that God wants us to become. So get ready. Number two, consecrate yourselves. Turn to Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, and they went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, now consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord 
will do amazing things among you. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of the Lord, right? And so the, the, the command that Joshua gave, he says, I want you to get ready, and now I want you to consecrate yourselves, and I want you to pay close attention to where the Spirit is going, to what God is doing. I want you to stay in step. Remember from Galatians chapter 5, it says, keep in step with the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and live by the Spirit. I think we're supposed to stay in, we're supposed to get close and stay with what God's doing. And so, and, and then it goes on to say, verse 4, you're going to know which way to go, not by getting a map, not by being given directions, not even be, by being told what each battle is going to be like or what you're going to face. You're going to know the way to go if you get close to God and stay there. Now, that's our security. That's our safety. That's our help. That's our hope. We want to go with God. Amen? And so in this season, I'm asking you to have a holy expectation that we're going to get to practice following the Lord in new ways and doing new things. And he might be just developing new skills. Like they've learned how to fight and to stand with the Lord and to do his will. They've learned how to obey. They've learned how to, to stop grumbling. They've learned some skills in the wilderness, right? And so he might just be taking those skills to new levels. But, but there were new places, and, and he doesn't want us to be presumptuous. He doesn't want us to make assumptions about what he's going to do or how he's going to do it. He wants us to go with him. So that's the invitation, Calvary. That's the clearest that I know right now is get ready, consecrate yourselves. The main thing we want to do is get close to the Lord and stay in his back pocket. We want to follow well. We want to pay attention as a corporate body. And he's going to keep guiding us. He's going to keep leading us. And then it says, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow he's going to do amazing things. So we've got our prophetic sheets that we've been praying. We've collected the prophetic words that God has given us over time. And we're asking God, we, we've seen a trickle of these things. We've seen initial fulfillments of them. But God, we want to see the whole thing. We want to see the complete fulfillment of these things. Now, is that going to happen in 2022 and 2023? My answer to you is, I doubt that we'll get the full thing overnight. But I will be the first to celebrate and rejoice and go, go, God, go, right, if we do. But there's a new season, there's a new move, there's a new anticipation, and we have never been this way before. How many of you saw COVID coming? Would you raise your hand? How many of you got that right? How many of you saw inflation that we've not seen in, is it 30 years or 40 years coming? That anybody, okay, got one, two, okay. But not the majority of us, right? This is, a, this is an interesting day, right? In the natural, first the natural, then the spiritual. So to consecrate yourself means to set apart, to make holy, to devote, or to purify. We consecrate and commit ourselves anew to following the leadership of the Lord because we've never been this way before. We consecrate ourselves with new levels of faith and obedience and a holy expectation for what God is going to do in us and through us. So I want you to hear one of the reasons why I'm so excited is because God is going to do things in us and God is going to go do things through us that are just going to be amazing. I mean, one of the, the best things is he's going to continue the transformation work that he started in our lives. Amen? I'm not going to be like I was yesterday. I'm grateful for that. 
He's going to keep building in me the character and the nature of his son Jesus. He's going to keep teaching me what it's like to live in dependence upon his Holy Spirit. He's going to keep teaching me how to walk in the power of the kingdom of God, how to represent the king, whatever happens, to conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is going to be a trip. Now, our perspective will determine if it's a good trip or a bad trip, right? Have you ever gotten in a car with somebody and they said, are we there yet? Have you ever done that? Like when we started praying for revival in the pastor prayer groups in the mid-90s, about 1997, you know, people got onto that wagon because they thought, man, we've heard the stories of what God is doing in the nations. George Otis Jr. had told us, brought back the first fruits from the different places where communities were being transformed, nations were being transformed, and told us that here's some of the components that prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And one of those is prayer. Another one is unity. And he told us some other things. And so we believed that if we got together and prayed. So we had been a praying church. We'd been praying. We'd been gathering uh, as a congregation. We had been getting people together at the local high school auditoriums. We'd been praying in our own boiler room of prayer here. We had seven corporate prayer meetings at one time. Uh, in the late 80s and the early 90s here. Prayer was a part of who we were. And then people caught the fire of prayer in the late 90s. And you know what? After three years, people and pastors and churches that had joined the prayer movement, you know what they said? Where's the revival? Where is it? Maybe there's something else that we need to do. And many, many people left the prayer movement I'm grateful for the Annas and Simeons that lay down their lives until the Lord shows up. Amen? I believe you're called, and I'm called to be an Anna and a Simeon. That we pray and stand for the purpose of the Lord, even if it takes a lifetime. Have you thought about Moses recently? Forty years he was raised in Egypt. And then... He really has this calling to be the deliverer of people, so he's going to do it one Egyptian at a time. That's not going to go well, right? And then he's 40 years in the wilderness being stripped of his plans, of his own reliances, and learning how to depend on the Lord in a really profound way. And then the last 40 years of his life, he fulfills his calling to lead the people out of bondage into the promised land. Did you know two-thirds of Moses' life was spent in preparation? 80 years? The other day, I was thinking about some things going on in my life. I was thinking about some physical limitations, and I was thinking of some challenges. I was thinking about the economy. I was thinking about a whole bunch of stuff. And I thought, you know, Lord, this is, you know, I, I want to be here, and I want to be fruitful and flourishing. I want to do everything you want me to do. But I just kind of, man... I need some help. And the Lord reminded me he had given me the spirit of Joshua and Caleb. So I reread the story of Joshua and Caleb. And at 85 years old, so for five years, Caleb helped everyone to possess their inheritance. But God had promised him a mountain. And he told Joshua when they got together to split up the land, he said, okay, Joshua, I've done my part with everybody else. Now, release me, give me that mountain where the enemies are the strongest, that's where I'm going. And he didn't do that at 25 or 35 or 45. He did that at 85 years of age. 
And so the Lord impressed on me, hey, listen, listen, I don't want you to wimp out. I don't want you just to, just to drift. I, I don't want you to just somehow hang on for dear life, you know, uh, until I come and rescue. There, there's things that I have for you. Now, I don't know if I'm going to live to 85 or 90 or 185. It's not clear to me how long I'm going to live. But God was trying to put back in this, to me, this spirit that, again, my life is in his hands, and I want to live out of the spirit of Joshua and Caleb, who said, whatever you say, that's what I want, that holy expectation, anticipation. So I'm trying to get in shape. I'm trying to eat differently. I'm trying to do some exercise. I'm actually learning some self-care that I've not been doing because I want to be here for the long haul. I mean, 85 is another 45 years in my life. It's really long. Well, when we helped start the church, I was 10 years old. That was the, <laughs> sorry. Well, anyway, I've got a few more years to go. But I was, I was thinking, have you ever thought, you know, Lord, half my life is over. Actually, two-thirds. I don't think I have much left. And the Lord was going, what? What are you talking about? Have you ever thought like that? You know, my best is past and... Wow, I remember when, when you look in the mirror, do you see whatever age you are or do you see a younger you? Most of us see a younger us, right? And we go, who is that? But God, God says, hey, listen, I, we're going together. So here's what I believe for Calvary in this season. We feel that this anniversary season is a crossover time for us. It's a time of beginning the process of possessing the land the Lord's given us. And so we're declaring to the Lord that we believe that this is a new season of possessing your plans, your purposes, your promises, your prophetic words, and entering into new levels of intimacy with you, the presence of God, and experiencing you deeper. And so we want to get ready, and we want to consecrate ourselves. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray right now. We're going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to lead us in guided prayer. Joshua's going to come up and start leading and then we're going to respond to this message. If you're going to consecrate yourself, you have to redevote yourself to the Lord. Amen? Consecration is about devotion. It's about recommitting, recommitment, whatever term you want to use. It's a time. And so these people have been following the Lord radically for 40 years. But he says, get ready and consecrate yourself today because tomorrow God's going to do some things. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.